Readers Entertainment Radio presents Book Lights with your host, author Lisa Kessler. Book Lights, where we're shining a light on good books. Hello, everyone. It's Tuesday, but guess what? We're having a special book light show today. I'm so excited, and thanks for tuning in. If you have never read Karen Rose yet, you are in for such a treat. She's a New York Times bestseller of thrillers, and she has a new book out, and we were super lucky that we could get her to come talk about it with us today. So if you haven't read her yet, I'm going to read her bio so you can get to know her. Internationally bestselling Internationally best-selling author Karen Rose was born and raised in the Maryland suburbs of Washington, D.C. She met her husband Martin on a blind date when they were 17, and after they both graduated from the University of Maryland, Karen with a degree in chemical engineering, they moved to Cincinnati, Ohio. Karen has worked as an engineer for a large consumer goods company, earning two patents. But as Karen says, scenes were rolling in my head and I couldn't concentrate on my job, so I started writing them down. She was writing for fun and soon she was hooked. Her debut suspense novel, Don't Tell, was released in July 2003, and since then, she has published more than 15 novels and two novellas. Her 24th novel, Say No More, just came out. That's the one we're going to talk about today. Karen's books have appeared on the bestseller list for the New York Times, USA Today, London Sunday Times, Germany Der Spiegel, I'm pretty sure I said that wrong, and Irish Times, as well as lists in South Africa and Australia. To date, her books have been translated into more than 20 languages. I believe they're all in audio as well. And as a former high school teacher of chemistry and physics, Karen now lives in Florida and also California with her husband of more than 30 years. I did put a link to her website right there on the Blog Talk site, so you can click that anytime and sign up for her newsletter. And she's got a great Q&A section, um, so you can find out more. And without any further delay, Karen, are you there? I am here. Yay, I'm so excited. Well, your new book just came out, right? Didn't it come out this week? And, and no, actually it came out on the 11th of August, so it's been out almost a month. Oh, okay. I thought it was in September. Okay, well, my my bad. How's it going so far? Um, With me or with the book? <laughs> <laughs> Both. <laughs> <laughs> um. Everything's going very well. Um, readers really seem to like it. So I hope the new readers that uh, haven't um, read my books that are listening today will give me a chance and pick it up. Yay. So what can you tell us about it without any spoilers? What, what, what's it about? Well, I'm a, I write romantic thrillers. So there's, uh, if, if people haven't read me before, it's, uh, there's always like a police procedural or private investigator plot to it. But there's uh, also a romance between the hero and the heroine, and um, so the 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 fir- I wanted to before I talk about say no more, I need to set it up a little bit with the first book, which is say you're sorry, and that's the first book in my Sacramento series. And again, if people haven't read me before, my books are clustered into cities. So there's like the Chicago series and the Philadelphia Atlanta series, and uh, the Minnesota series, Baltimore, Cincinnati, and then Sacramento. So if you just want to jump in, any book is standalone, but it's fun to read a series, and it's really fun to start from the beginning. And all that list is on my website as well. But but Say No More is, is a standalone. Um, it's one of a trilogy, and in the first book, Say You're Sorry, 
you meet um, Daisy Dawson and Gideon Reynolds. And Daisy is, uh, he is she has just escaped a serial killer and, and in her fight to get away pulls a locket from his neck um, that has been a trophy from one of his earlier victims. And that locket leads her to the hero who is has escaped from a cult, a Northern California cult when he was a teenager. And that cult is called Eden. And so you learn more about Eden in the first book, and you also learn that that Gideon had a sister, and her sister his name is her name is Mercy, and uh, Mercy also escaped, but at the end of Say You're Sorry, Mercy is so traumatized she can't talk about it, she can't help with the investigation, and she runs away because she is currently living in New Orleans. Well, at the beginning of Say No More, this book, it's Mercy's story, and Mercy has realized it after having fled back to New Orleans, that she really has to go back to California because there are things that she needs to make right, things that she needs to do to help the victims who are still stuck in that cult in Eden, and she has to help find them uh, because they've never been found. Um, it's a kind of a nomadic group, and they tend to move a lot, and so they've never been found. And so she goes back to California. She confronts her past. She's been terribly abused by the cult as a teenager and has spent really the last 13 years of her life trying to forget about what happened in the past. And so now she's purposely making herself face it. And this is really Mercy's story about taking her life back and making things right, making things right that she didn't do wrong, but making things right for other people who are still in danger. And she meets, um, she meets Gideon's best friend, Rafe, and Rafe is the hero of the story, and he is—he's um, a little bit alpha, but he's a little bit—he's very, very supportive. He's very tender, and he's very gentle with her. And um, between the two of them, they do the investigation. And it's not um, there—they—they they, well, I can't—I can't. I'm not going to tell anymore. They—they they do the investigation. Yeah. There is a happily ever after at the end of the story. <laughs> like I'm like, oh no, this is spoilers. Yes. Yeah, so- some, somehow they'll get there. <laughs> they always they always get so, there by the end. Right? So I love that you set them all in different cities. Do you like to travel? Do you go on book research adventures to all these cities when you start a new series? Um, sometimes. Most of the time it just is because I have a personal connection to an area. Uh, for example, when I first started writing, I was living in Cincinnati, but the aunt I mentioned when you and I talked earlier uh, before the show, um, she and her husband at the time were living in Chicago. And so we would go and see them Thanksgiving, you know, all the holidays. And so we were in Chicago a lot. So I set my first book series there. Um, after that, um, I picked Philadelphia because I was a school teacher at the time. And one of my fellow teachers had come from Philly and from a big Italian American family in Philly. And, um, and so that was why I picked that city. And after that, it was really because I either had friends, like I had friends in Minneapolis. I grew up in the Baltimore area. I had lived in Cincinnati for 15 years, so I picked those. And then I had started uh, to work with a um, a book, like an author group, a, a su- kind of a support group, you know, where we all just meet. We would meet to brainstorm and things like that. Um, and they were in Northern California, but still are. And so I started visiting California a lot, and I met a woman who lives in a couple of women who lived in Sacramento, and that's why I picked Sacramento because I was I would fly into there most of the time and drive to Northern California, 
And so I kind of got a feel for the area, and I wanted to set something on the West Coast because I'd not done that yet. And it was a great opportunity. And, of course, as soon as I drove through Northern California, especially um, north, Northeastern California, um, it is mm-hmm. extremely rugged, extremely remote. And I thought, oh, my gosh, this would be a right. great place to drop, a, you know, to, to, to do all kinds of things. So Right? <laughs> when we were relocating from San Diego to Florida um, about 10 days ago, we were driving through parts of Arizona and Texas. I was like, wow, you could have a whole other country back here and no one would know. Lots of outback areas. <laughs> I know we we make that we make that trip a couple times a year. So yeah, that is definitely true. <laughs> so, do you is it always romantic suspense for you? Romantic thrillers? Do you, is there any other genres that you've been or that you were dying to try someday? Um, there are a couple projects that I have kicking around in my head that aren't well, they're romantic thrillers, but they're romantic thrillers with a little bit extra added to it and. So one of these days, one of these days, I'll write it. But for now, I have um, been exclusively writing romantic suspense or romantic thriller, whatever you want to call it. And do you have like a list of authors? I always ask people, you know, who who do you read that inspires you? Um, because our readers who listen, of course, like to add to their to be read list. But do you do you binge read a lot? Are there books that you read and you're like, ooh, I gotta go right now? Um, actually, when I when I read for pleasure, I I tend not to read. I don't. I read books that have suspense threads in them. But um, for the most part, I'd say probably 90% of what I read isn't classic suspense, romantic suspense, mainly because after writing it, I, I, my brain kind of needs a little bit of, yeah, a, of a break. break. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, um, but, um, you know, if folks want to pick up uh, other romantic suspense authors, there's always um, like Brenda Novak. She's amazing. And um, let's see, um, Lisa Gardner, um, Lisa Jackson. Um, oh, yeah. oh, Lisa um, Jackson. Let's see. Uh, Kendra Elliott. So, yeah, there are a number of really wonderful romantic suspense authors out there. And then when, you know, when I read, sometimes I'll read for a quote. Um, And sometimes I read because it's a friend, you know, somebody I know. But generally, I I tend to actually stick paranormal. And um, I read a lot of LGBTQ romance. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah, I I uh, I write paranormal romance. So anytime I hear people say paranormal, I'm like, whoa, go team! Um, <laughs> and you're up in uh, Christine Feehan neck of the woods too, so you gotta be reading some of those books. Of course, of course, and sometimes I get a sneak peek before. So yeah. Oh but, my gosh, um, you're so lucky. <laughs> She is truly an amazing author, and, and many of her books. If you want paranormal romantic suspense. Many of Christine's books have romantic thriller um, uh, plots to them as well. I mean, in addition That's to true, the, the paranormal elements. Yeah. So mm-hmm. when I say I don't, you know, read classic and uh, uh, much of the time between books, when I pick up a paranormal book, most of the time it's got a suspense thread to it, like Christine's books or Nalini Singh's books. Mm-hmm. You know, and yes. so there's always this element of like um, either like just a a crime that's been committed or this element of politics and like the undercurrent of really, um, really dark politics in in the Lini's books. And then of course, you know, Mm -hmm. you have, um, you have Christine's with the, you know, her, um, 
oh the the my brain is blanking on me now. Um, the yeah, motorcycle but like club. the ghost walkers, where there's yeah, and the motorcycle yeah. club is the new the new one. But yeah, I, ju- I ju- love the ju- ghost ju- walkers ju- with the military yeah, ju- vibe. Yeah, Justice Road and Vengeance Road and all. The, yeah, yeah. So so you know, I do, and I read all of these authors, and um, yeah. So there's always a there's always suspense happening somewhere, um, and you know, if, even if there's not, I sometimes the the author part of me will write the romantic suspense alternate story in my head as I'm reading. Well, if this were a suspense, there would be a body here. <laughs> right, right. She'd have to ditch that phone. <laughs> so is it the stakes that that draw you to romantic suspense? I mean, I, I like to read books where, you know, it's beyond will they or won't they fall in love, but will they stay alive? Will they save the city? You know, that kind of thing. Is that what attracts you to writing those? Well, um, actually, when I first started writing, and this was, gosh, how many years ago now? Close to to 30? Oh, my Lord. (laughs) Close to 30. (laughs) Don't do math. When I first started, (laughs) I know. Math math in the morning is bad. Bad, bad, bad. Right? Um, But um, the... uh, the, and I was a math teacher, so. <laughs> um, but when I first started writing, this was when I was still a full-time engineer, and the, my children were small, and um, I wrote, and I didn't write to be published, and, and I wrote because it was fun, and because I was traveling a lot, and there weren't a lot of, there weren't ebooks back then, and I could only take so many right. books in my luggage, so I started writing because I had this scene in my head that wouldn't come out, but I kept writing because I just kind of fell in love with the characters and I didn't have anything. I didn't ha- well, I won't say I didn't have anything else to do. I didn't have any other forms of entertainment when I was on the road because I didn't usually, I was traveling internationally and I didn't speak the language many times. So the TV was of no use. And so I would mm. sit in my hotel room and I would, I would, I had already read the books I brought with me, you know, in my luggage and so I would just write right. for myself, you know, I would write because it was fun. And that's how I started writing. And those were predominantly women's fiction books. Um, they weren't suspense, but they had an element of suspense to it. And in my very first book, Don't Tell, the prologue starts with Caroline, who is the, um, she's a heroine. She ha- and, and in this book, she's run from her abusive husband, fakes her death. And it's one of, it's kind of an abusive wife on the run story, but with, you know, with some twists that, that hopefully make it um, wonderful and, and different. But uh, um, <laughs> she, in the in the prologue, she's in a hospital bed, and she comes. She becomes. You know, she she regain. She's regaining consciousness, and she can hear her husband talking to the doctor out in the out in the hall. And he says, you know, he's saying to the doctor, "Is she going to be all right?" And the doctor's like, "Well, she's had a serious fall. It's a serious injury. There may be paralysis." Um, you know, but we're doing all that we can and she can't feel her toes. You know, she's, she's, and she's really petrified. And then uh, and she can't see because her, you know, her, her eyes are swollen shut. She said, but at the end of the, after talking to the doctor at the end of the prologue, he comes up to her and he whispers under his breath, if you tell a soul, I'll finish the job. And that's how the prologue ends. And I wrote, ended up writing, writing that book in like five, I wrote it like five different times before it finally sold. But the thing that never changed was the prologue and elements of the ending that were suspenseful. And so my first agent, you know, but at the time it was women's fiction. It really wasn't, 
written as a thriller. It was written more of a kind of a. It wasn't a thriller. And my first a- agent said, you know, you have a suspenseful voice. Have you ever thought about writing suspense? And I said, no, but I'll give it a try. And being <laughs> an engineer and, you know, reverse engineering things, because um, I like examples. And I went to find a book, and at the time I was reading a lot of Tammy Hogue. And I picked a Tammy yeah. Hogue book that had, um, that had surprised me at the end where I was like, no way, there, he couldn't have been a killer. And because I'm never surprised. You know, I'm the one who's like, I can name that killer in 10 you seconds, you know, out. kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I didn't. And I was like, why didn't I figure this one out? This is the one I want to study because why didn't I figure it out? And so what I did was, and I didn't read it backward, word for word. I read it backwards, chapter for chapter. Because what I was looking mm-hmm. for was where did she plant the clues? How did she do this? What was the, what's the technique? And what I realized by the end of that study, and it's hilarious because I met her many years later and I told her the story. She was like, well, when you figure it out, <laughs> tell me, because I don't know yet, which made me laugh. But, um, but uh, you know, I, what I realized was that there was no magic to planting the clues. They're all there in plain sight. But she made me care about the character so much that I forgot to look. And that's mm-hmm. really one of the keys. So I, I I took that women's fiction book and I turned it into a suspense. And um, after a couple tries, there were, I mean, there were a couple things that I, I didn't do well technically, but after, a, you know, a couple tries, and I'm talking about almost like a complete rewrite. I'm not talking about a revising a little here and there. I'm talking about like pulling it apart and completely starting all over again. Um, I sold right. that book and that became Don't, Don't Tell. So at the beginning, it wasn't That's thriller. So cool. It was more like, Oh, you you have this voice. Why don't you explore it? And I'm really glad I did. Yeah, that was great advice they gave you. I always ask people, you know, what their writing journey looked like. But did you? How did you figure out? I'm no longer writing for fun. I think I could publish this. What what pushed you in that direction? <laughs> it was my husband, um, because I had been doing this for fun for like five years in secret, and nobody knew. My husband knew. Uh, one of my best friends knew, and a very good friend of mine um, that I used to visit when I was in the UK, she knew. And uh, other than that, nobody knew. And because I was in a, a heavily male-dominated industry, and I knew that if people knew I was writing romance, that it wouldn't that they would laugh. And they probably at the time they mm-hmm. probably would have. So you know, I, you kind of get that little uh, romance smirk kind right. of thing. And um, right. and I just didn't want to, I didn't want to deal with that because if you didn't have respect you might not get a good assignment the next you know when your next assignment came due, so I it was all in secret and one day my husband came home and he would take the kids to like the bookstore or the library or the mall and give me a couple hours alone in, in during the weekend so that I could write because he's a sweetie that way and uh, mm-hmm. he came this is in 1990 probably 1998 97 98. He brought home this book called How to Market Your Romance Novel. And it had, you know, a Victorian couple on it. It had a rose on it, which is, you know, kind of, kind of, you know, I guess foretelling. And um, he said, I bought this book and it was 25 cents. He bought it at the, the half price bookstore. Um, I bought this book. He said, you've been doing this for, on your own long enough. You need to do something with that book. And so I was like, oh, okay. So I followed, being an engineer, I followed all the rules. I made a spreadsheet. I made flowcharts. <laughs> 
And, you know, and, and at the time there was writer's market, which they, they now is a website, but then used to yes. only be a book because like there was that barely, giant inter- book. And barely any internet. <laughs> yeah. It was that giant book. And, you know, so I, and I, I, I bought a copy and, uh, and I went through each page and I, you know, I posted notes to the, the, the people that, you know, might be interested in what I was writing. And I sent out a bunch of queries and I got, I got, um, I got a couple of really good rejections and one of the editors that rejected me gave me some good advice. And um, in fact, I still communicate with her. You know, when I see her to this day, I've seen her at, at conferences a couple of times and it's, it's always kind of a nice memory, uh, but I was done. You know, I was like, okay, I did it once. It's done. No, nobody wanted it. And my husband's like, no, no, no. And so he got on the internet and he found this group called Romance Writers of America and he showed me the link, and I, I was actually shocked that they had a website back then, because again, this was like 1998, right. 1999. This would yeah. have been in probably this would have probably been 99. And um, at this point, you know, then it was just like Star Trekky people, you know, who were on, right. you know, who are mm-hmm. CompuServe back then. But they actually had a website. <laughs> yes, and yes. they listed all the chapters. Geo-city. And he said, "Look, there's <laughs> this re- exactly my, you know, live journal, that kind of MySpace." Uh-huh, and, yes. um, and anybody under 30 listening will have no idea what we're talking Well, they might know the my journal. Yeah, but, we're uh, speaking another language. Like our, I know, I know that whole, that whole, you know, the, the whistle of the, the modem connecting. You had mail. Yeah. But, um, the uh, the um, <laughs> chapter, well, they had a Cincinnati chapter at the time. And he said, you should go to the meeting because these ladies write like you do, and maybe they can give you some tips on what to do next. And I was like, okay. And I, I am, I, I, I'm, I'm an introverted extrovert. No, I'm an extroverted introvert. I am situationally extroverted. And like, if I'm at a, um, a group, if I'm in a group, I'm, I'm, you know, usually pretty animated, but if I'm, if I walk into a room full of people, I don't know, I want to turn around and leave. Cause it, to me, that there's very few things more terrifying than walking into a room of people I don't know. And so this one's you don't know. the library, mm-hmm. you know, and it was, it was uh, January. And cause I remember this because I sat in the car and I watched all these people go in and I kept thinking they're legit writers and I'm just going to tell me I'm a fraud. I'm a hack. You know, what do white people do belonging with these ladies? <laughs> and so I sat there until like 10 minutes past the hour. And of course you can't go in late the first time. So I went home and my husband oh. met me at the door. Arms crossed. He goes, you didn't go in, did you? And I was like, no. And he said, you're going back next month. He said, I'm driving you myself. And he said, if I have to push you out of the car, I'll slow down, push you out of the car and drive away. And if it'll be, you know, it's February in Cincinnati, right? He goes, and if you don't want to be cold, then you'll go in. So I'm like, oh, I'll have to go myself. in. I know. So I did. And I met all these lovely, lovely people. I met, you know, Lori Foster and a bunch of just really wonderful authors who, kind of took me under their wing, you know, taught me a lot of stuff. And um, I thought, well, you know, I'll go to my first national convention, which I did in 99, was in Chicago. And I thought, yeah, this is, that's when I made the decision. This is something I'd, I'd, I'd like to try. This is something I'd like to do. And, um, and, and, it, and I, was, I was lucky, fortunate, the universe smiling on me, um, I met my very, one of my very best friends of all time at this conference. She and I were put together as roommates and we had not really known each other before then. And as we met and got to talk, well, we met 
in we met the first time and it was in May because somebody said, yeah, you can meet her. And I kept thinking, so this is how far back this goes. Uh, I kept thinking, right. I got to meet her first because if she's a serial killer, I have to know because um, I'm going to be asleep <laughs> in the same room with this woman. I had never roomed with a stranger before, and I had to make sure she wasn't a serial killer. You are so a thriller writer, right? I know, I know. I'm a thriller <laughs> writer at heart. And uh, so the I, I at the time, I was traveling for the company I worked for, and I had been in Caracas, Venezuela. And I knew I needed to be back in Cincinnati by Saturday morning. So I flew out Friday night, stayed in Miami, took the first flight out of Miami to Cincinnati, and I went straight to the meeting from the airport. And so I meet this woman and she is this tiny little size four blonde with blonde, you know, with freckles. And I'm like, I could take her. Even if she is a serial killer. <laughs> and so at, you know, at the, at the break, we all head to the ladies room as, as, as ladies do, you know, in that, that big right. mentality that we have. And I said to her, I'm really tired. I just flew in from Caracas. And she goes, I used to work in Caracas. And I said, you did. And it turns out we both worked for the same company. And it's a big company. What? She didn't work for them anymore. Yeah, she'd left, she'd left that same company like maybe six months before. Um, and I worked in the engineering side. She was, uh, she's a, an international tax attorney, so she worked on the finance side, which worked completely different um, places. And most of the time, these two groups never mixed. They never had reason to mix, you know, in, you know, in right. a business environment. And well, it turns out she and I had traveled to all the same places all over the world, had stayed at the same hotels, maybe even at the same time. We're the same age. Oh we had a gosh. lot of the same upbringing. And so we just, like, became insta-friends. And that was over 20 years ago, and she's still, like, one of my best friends in the world. So, um, yeah, so that was a, a wonderful first conference for me I met you know I met my one of my best friends I um and I uh met a lot of authors I met some agents and some editors and it was like yep that's I think I can do this and so I gave it a try yeah oh my gosh and kudos to your husband for making you get out of the car that's so cool I know. I know he was. He was so funny. You didn't go in, did you? <laughs> <laughs> he might know you too well. <laughs> That's right. So he what's next stopped. for you? If he, if he had driven me, um, he, he would have stopped. He oh, would have sorry. just pushed me out of the car. <laughs> <laughs> Tuck and roll. <laughs> so what is next so what, after Say No More? Is there one more in that trilogy? There is, there is. And um, one of the things, the good things about writing books now for, I've written 25 books and my first book came out in 2003. So we're coming up on 20 years um, since my first book. And one of the benefits of that is that children that you introduced in the first books are now grown up. And so oh. there was a, there was a character, my books have intertwining characters. So if you read one book um, and you, in in you keep reading there there's a good chance you might meet that one of those characters again either they've you know either they're called in as a consultant or you know they they might move to another city like one of my popular characters his name is Deacon Novak he started out in Baltimore but then moved to Cincinnati and then the whole Cincinnati series is kind of based around him his family and one other character and so um when i wrote my first book don't tell caroline's son's name is tom and he's 14 in that book. And um, he plays a pretty significant role in, you know, in, in helping his mother, you know, get through this, 
gets you this trying time because, of course, the husband that she's she's escaping, she's escaped. She believes who believes she's dead finds out she's not, and pursues her through the book. And Tom is a big part of the big part of the plot. And readers are always like, well, "When does Tom get his book? When does Tom get his book?" And I'm like, "Tom is 14. Let Tom grow up." But now Tom, now Tom's grown up, and so you 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 meet him a little bit and say you're sorry. He has a much bigger role and say no more, but say goodbye, which is the final book in the series, is Tom's. Oh, my gosh. So it's his book, the next one. It's his book, yeah, his book, and it comes out next next August. Oh, yay. Everyone mark your calendar. That's so cool. Oh, my gosh. So he's all grown up, and he's the next hero. Yes, yes, yes. And, and Tom that. is a – I just really love that story because um, – Liza, who was a heroine of the next story, you meet her in Tom meets her actually in one of my one of my Minneapolis books, which came out I think in 2011, 2010, 2000, it was 2010. No, 2011 that book came out, and so um, you know you so Liza is his heroine. You meet Liza in Say No More as well. You meet her again. You meet her for the first time when she's 17 in. Um, you know, in, in an earlier book, and now she's she's all grown up as well. Oh, I love it. Well, we're rapidly running out of time, so before we we before she hangs up on us, um, is, is there any other way that you connect with readers besides your newsletter? Can they find you on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram? Where can they find you? I don't usually. I can't. Not usually Instagram. We post stuff, but I don't. I don't understand Instagram yet. <laughs> But I hang out on Twitter, so if you come to if you come to my okay. Twitter, Karen Rose Books, I I'm usually there, and I I'm in Facebook some of the okay. times that you'll most usually find me on Twitter. Okay, <laughs> well, thanks so much for coming on the show. It was so great talking to you, and good luck with the book. I can't wait for the next one. It sounds fantastic. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for joining us on Book Lights. Be sure to connect with us at www.readersentertainment.com for articles, blogs, videos, and podcasts that matter to readers.